Just to start off tonight to recap a little bit, why don't we open to the book of John 16, chapter 16. I didn't have this on my list, Miss Sharon. If you can pull that up, I appreciate it. How many appreciate our people that are all behind the scenes, the lighting, the cameras, the sound? Amen. I mean, you couldn't, we couldn't do what we do up there without all of them. In fact, if you're watching tonight live stream, thank God for the people who are doing the live stream, the sound for the live stream. I'm really thankful for that. Sometimes you get running down the road with all this stuff, you know, and you're rejoicing because you're blessed, but you forget all these people. See, all these people are sowing. They're sowing their lives into ministry. They're sowing their lives into the kingdom. Say with me, I am the ecclesia. Oh, come on. That was kind of weak. Say, I am the ecclesia. <laughs> That's better. It's excited to be the church. Don't you agree? And by the way, this week, keep a couple of our families that are here on Sunday nights uh, Miss Lorraine, her mama went home to be with Jesus. Keep her in prayer. I know that the service is 11 o'clock on Tuesday here at Trinity. And also, I don't know if Reese is here tonight. Um, one of my adopted daughters, her, her brother, 28 years old, was killed on Cleveland Avenue just last Saturday night. So keep their family lifted up. His last name was actually Kelly. But Reese is uh, kind of adopted into our family. And um, we've really established a strong, strong connection with her and our little boy, Dash. And he's exactly what his name is, Dash. He dashes everywhere. He calls me Opa. <laughs> so just keep those families in prayer this week as they celebrate the life and even if it ends in a tragic way, you still get to celebrate the memories and the great things that God did in people's lives while they were still here. Amen? So are you over in John, the 16th chapter? Let's go to the 13th verse. Well, that's right. Well, thank you. Miss Sharon, you're awesome. Thank you so much. Read this with me. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Let's, let's read it again. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Now, there's two different things that I want to bring out in this verse before we continue on with we are the ecclesia. And right now, we're kind of, we're segueing into a, a portion of where we're talking about the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. And, and in my 57 years of being on earth, if there's anything more misunderstood in the church, and I'm not even talking about in the world, because, see, the world don't see the things of the Spirit. They don't know how to interpret the things of the Spirit. But the church, the church should know. And one of the greatest misunderstandings in the church today is the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. We think he's a thing. He's an actually person of the Godhead. 
And not only did he was, the, was he there in the beginning in creation, but he was also there in redemption. When Jesus hung on the cross, the Holy Spirit was right there. When Jesus did all the signs and wonders and miracles on the earth, he did it as a man with the DNA of the Father on the inside of him. And when he cast a devil out, it was actually Holy Spirit that went in and pulled those devils out. When he said, rise up, take up your bed and walk, it was actually Holy Spirit that brought the miracle. We can get born again and we can go to heaven and never do another thing for God, but that's not his perfect will. In fact, if that's what you live and how you live, you're going to get to heaven and you're going to find out one thing. You're going to find out that, is this mic distorting? Okay, I'll grab the handheld. You're going to find out that, that uh, when you get to heaven, he's going to pull back the curtain and he's going to ask you or he's going to show you what his will was in your life. Check, check, check. Can you hear me? All right. You're going to find out that there was, if you could take me out of the monitors and take a little bit of the bass off, please. You're going to find out that there was a whole call and a whole life that he put in front of you that you couldn't see. And the reason you couldn't see it is because you didn't know who Holy Spirit was. You can get born again on your deathbed, take your last breath, and go to heaven. But see, getting born again and going to heaven is based on his love for you. But you fulfilling your call in the earth and your reward in heaven is based on your love for him. I'm going to say that again. Going to heaven, salvation, it's by grace. It's based on what he did for you. But after he did what he did for you and you stepped into it, that's just the beginning. Everybody say, that's just the beginning. See, if we're the ecclesia and the gates of hell shall not prevail against the ecclesia or against the church, that means the gates of hell won't prevail against me. Then why are they? Because we don't understand Holy Spirit. We don't understand fully his work in our life. In fact, I was raised in a denomination called Pentecostal. And in the Pentecost organization, I was raised that, you know, hey, the, the whole goal was to get baptized and get filled with the Holy Ghost. And man, I'm, I'm on my way. It's just the beginning. Baptism is an outward, baptism in water is an outward sign of an inward work. It's an outward declaration of who he has made you. You're already born again when you go down into that water. If you don't, you go down a wet center and come, go down a dry center and come up a wet center. But you're a son or daughter. And when you get that declaration, you're declaring to the world who you are. You're declaring that you're a son or you're a daughter of the Most High God. In fact, what you're declaring is, is I am the church. Say, I am the church. Say, I am the ecclesia. So when he says, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. Now, that right there is a two-sided statement. Because Holy Spirit hears the words of the Father 
He hears the words of Jesus, but guess who else's words he hears? He hears mine. When I am operating according to my call, and not my call, but my call. <laughs> He'll get a kick out of that. That sounded kind of funny for a second. <laughs> when I'm operating and doing what he's called me to do, do you know that I have all of the corporate structure of heaven and I have Holy Spirit himself standing there waiting? I mean, when I walk into a hospital and I lay hands on the sick, he's waiting for me to lay hands on them and command them to be healed in faith in Jesus' name. And if I speak it in faith in Jesus' name, his authority, and he, he hears what I speak and he, it releases him to do what he's called to do. And that's to bring the healing or bring the miracle. When Jesus walked on the earth, it's very important to understand. When Jesus healed the sick, it was Jesus as the man Jesus with the DNA of the Father in him. But Jesus was the beginning of the church. Everybody say Jesus was the beginning of the church. Have you ever heard of the verse... He said he was the first among many brethren. That's a good verse. You know why? That means I'm in there somewhere. Hallelujah. I may be 12 trillion, 3 billion, 400 million, 560,000 and one. I don't know where my lineup is, but Jesus, my older brother, I'm talking about not in his deity, but in his humanity. He has become my example. He has become my high priest. And I am now a valid son of God doing the works of the father in the earth today. In fact, it's really not. Trinity Gospel Temple, Cathedral of Life, his place for you, New Life Ministries. It's really, we're finishing what Jesus started. It's the ministry of Jesus that the church is supposed to finish. But the gates of hell still prevails. Well, Brother Michael, I don't know if the gates of hell prevail against me. Take a look at your life. I'll be honest, I'm a preacher. There's times when the gates of hell comes against us and we lose. Oh, sure is quiet in this Holy Ghost tongue-talking, mountain-moving, <laughs> faith-speaking, devil-casting-out church. See, one thing you got to realize is that if you ever want to grow, you got to realize that you need to grow first. If you don't think you need to change, no change is going to take place, honey. You're just going to, you'll, you'll, be, you'll be sitting here this time next year, thinking the same thing, acting the same way, doing the same thing, and wishing and hoping, oh Lord, I hope you use me. I've been walking with you for 950 years. In fact, my name is inscribed on the side of Noah's Ark. He does not go by equation. He does not go by what you did for him. He goes by the fact that you believe what he said. Woo! Hallelujah! <laughs> Glory to God. He spoke this to me the other day. Oh, this is good. We're going we're gonna to take a little rabbit trail, then we're going to come back over. He said, your peace has nothing to do with your storm. <laughs> Whew. glory to God 
See, it's statements like that that just set me on fire. He said, your peace, say my peace, has nothing to do with my storm. Do you remember me saying, I don't know if I said it the last time I taught, you know, it's been a month. I mean, we've had some visitors and we had some time off and one night the Holy Ghost moved and messed the whole thing up. I like getting messed up. Can you say amen? But I remember having a little mini vision and I saw Jesus. He was in the bow of the boat and the disciples were, they were fretting and worrying and screaming and crying and complaining and, and, and <laughs> tribulating <laughs> and the whole time. There's Jesus asleep. That should say something to you. In fact, I like it. I started saying, telling some of my family, they, you know, well, what's going to happen? I said, do you know Jesus is asleep in the bow of your ship? He's laying there asleep. You know what that means? That means he did not worry whether he was going to perish. He wasn't even moved by the storm because his peace had nothing to do with his storm. The reason he got out of the bow of the ship and he began to speak to the storm is because of the lack of their faith and they were freaking out. Everybody say they were freaking out. (coughs) I've been casting this sinus devil off of me for about three days. By the way, keep me in prayer. Um, Elizabeth and I fly out tomorrow morning to go teach at Eddie James again. We're there all week. And I just received word yesterday that, I mean, the director said, when, when, when you get here in the morning, you ready to teach? I mean, usually you have like a day to recover and, you know, but man, they want me to jump in. So lives are being changed. You all have a part of this. Whoever prays for me, whoever is supporting me in this and praying for me with their intercession, you have, you have a, a part in this. Can you say Amen. So when Jesus was in the bow of the ship, his peace that he walked in had nothing to do with what was going on around him. Do you remember me saying the last time that if you have your eyes focused on other things, you can't have your eyes focused on Jesus? I I don't know about you, but I get tired of falling apart like a cheap clock every time a set of circumstances hits my life. Every time I walk through a storm, every time someone talks about me or every time the devil hits me with some kind of trial, I get tired of falling apart. The Bible says rejoice and be glad. Count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations, knowing this, that the testing of your faith produces endurance or produces perseverance. One thing I do know. God didn't bring the trial, but the other thing I found out is even though the devil sent the trial to destroy me with, it'll expose the weak areas in my life. And as it exposes the weak areas, as fast as it's exposing the weak areas, he's given me the wisdom on how to come and rise above those things and bring change in my life. That's the reason I can count it all joy. That's how I'm becoming mature, lacking nothing. Hallelujah. I feel like just going on over to James and preaching out of there. (laughs) Why is it possible for the world to see and know Holy Spirit? Or why is it not possible for the world to see and know Holy Spirit? Because it takes the DNA of the Father to know and see Him. The Bible 
The Bible plainly says that you can't know the things of the Spirit unless you have Him living within you. You can't expect the world to understand why we do what we do. That's why if you're in a, if you're in a job and if you're in a dark place and they're acting like sinners because they are, and you're acting like you're too good to be there, shame on you. You're the light of the world. If they're doing things to you and you're reacting to that, shame on you. You're supposed to walk in love. In fact, I'll go as far as to say this. You're supposed to pray for them and lift them up. When's the last time you all prayed for your enemies? When's the last time you, uh, you did good to those who hate you and despise you? I heard one man say, you know, if we use an orange and the devil squeezed us, shouldn't he get orange juice out of us? We're the church. If the devil squeezes us, nothing but Jesus should come out because that's the DNA that's in us. But, but we get squeezed and everything but Jesus comes out. Maybe even a few choice words. <laughs> oh, Lord, I repent. <laughs> I heard some of you. <laughs> no, I mean in the spirit. <laughs> Hallelujah. So let's, let's go on over. Let's take another step into this. Let's go on over. Uh, let's see where we at here. Thank you, Father. Let's first go to the book of 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. We're going to go as far as we can tonight. We're going to start like another part of this because we've been talking about the Holy Spirit's work in our life. In fact, the last time I taught, we talked about praying in tongues and what it does. Praying in tongues, we don't understand what we're saying. I remember making a statement. I said, some people say, well, you know, I just don't feel comfortable doing that because I don't understand what I'm saying. Exactly. That's the point. He doesn't want you to understand because if you knew what you were praying, you'd probably stop. You think you're praying for that big raise on the job. God, I need money. And he's praying that you put that anger thing to death once and for all. Oh, I'm preaching good now. Hallelujah. <laughs> so let's go to 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. Let's see here. Verse 28. And this chapter is full of a lot of amazing information. It's the administrations, the offices, and the operations of the body of Christ. It's a really good chapter to meditate on. In fact, this whole portion of 1 Corinthians is Paul's talking about the gifts. He's talking about the offices and the operations. And he says this, and God has appointed these in the, in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, variety of tongues. Now, I, I don't know if I said it the last time I taught, but and if, you, and, and if you're Baptist and you're in here tonight, by the way, thank you for being here. But I'll tell you what, you're not really Baptist. You're a son or daughter of God. We don't go by labels, amen? But this, this one verse that a lot of my friends would get me with that was of the Baptist persuasion, they would say um, this one where it says, uh, do all speak with tongues, down in verse 30. 
So right after this, right after he gives this line up in verse 29, he says, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret. In this verse right here, I just want to counsel Paul when I get to heaven and say, listen, Paul, if you would have clarified that just a little bit, you would have made our job a little bit easier. <laughs> but when it says, do all speak with tongues, it's not talking about the diversity that you get when you get filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It's talking about another diversity. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about varieties of tongues or diversities of tongues. Back up here where he says, third teachers after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, variety of tongues. In the King James, they call it diversities of tongues. In other words, different kinds of tongues. So let's go over. Let's see here. I'm going to pull it up on my phone so I don't have to go back and forth here. Let's go over to the book of Romans, the eighth chapter. It's very important that, that you find out what Holy Spirit is in your life for. Jesus said, you know, the very first verse we read tonight, that he will come and he won't speak of himself, but he said he'll speak of me. It's very important that you understand that when Holy Spirit comes, he's saying one thing and one thing only concerning revelation knowledge, Jesus. Jesus, the word. That's his first and foremost position in your life is he brings the revelation of who Jesus the word is I cannot stress the importance of this and if you don't believe me ask yourself this question why are there over 10 or 20,000 different denominations in the church the Bible doesn't call us the churches it calls us the church why are there so many different interpretations of the Bible and so many different, and I'm not talking about translations, I'm talking about the way they receive revelation knowledge. You have one church across town that's preaching that Jesus is going to put sickness and disease on you to teach you something. Well, I just have one question. If he puts the sickness and disease on you, why are you going to the doctor? You might mess his will up. If he puts sickness and disease on you, how can the same God who redeemed us from something turn around and use what he redeemed us from and put it back on us? Are you hearing me tonight? So right there's a fine example of one person interpreting the scripture this way, another person interpreting the scripture this way. There's only one true revelation of the word. And the one who brings it is Holy Spirit. When I describe it, I might describe it a little bit different than Brother Dave or Pastor Dana or whoever else you're listening to. I might describe it, even if the Apostle Paul was here, he might talk a little bit different than me. But we all have the same teacher living on the inside of us. And one thing that the church has started to do and has been known to do for years and ages to come is they use their intellect to reveal the word of God to them. And your intellect will fail you every time. 
I would rather be a student of the Holy Ghost than a student of my own intellect. My intellect only goes so far. In fact, what I'd like to do is I'd like my intellect to be a slave to the Holy Spirit, be a servant to the Holy Spirit. So when he brings revelation knowledge that I can receive it and I can understand it. Can you say amen? So over here in Romans, the eighth chapter in the 26th verse, are you with me? Are you awake? It's a little warm in here. <laughs> Want someone click a little bit of AC on for us if you can. One of the ushers or someone that knows what they're doing. Like verse 26, likewise, the spirit also helps our weaknesses for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the spirit itself or the spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the spirit, what the, what the mind, what the mind of the spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. I get messed up because I'm so used to the King James uh, translation that my, my, my mind and my lips want to speak that even though I'm reading this. Let's read it again. Verse 26. Likewise, the spirit also helps in our weaknesses for we do not know what we should pray. Remember what I said? He took the understanding away. That's the point. Right here it is. He says, for we do not know what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. What this means is that every time I begin to pray in tongues, the Holy Ghost is going after the biggest, the most important revelation that he needs to reveal to me in order for me to take my next step. <laughs> I, may, I may think that it's leaving this church and going to another. Let me tell you something. You leave this church and go to another, there's just one problem. In fact, you leave that church and go to another and leave that church and go to another, there's just one problem. When you get there, you're still there. Because it's not the church that needs to change. It's you. It's not the church that needs to change. It's me. <laughs> Our pastor's son came up with that phrase in Tulsa. He's, he told me one time, he said, Michael, he said, all these people leaving because they started praying and all this ugly stuff started showing up that was buried so deep that they didn't even know they had it. And now they've edified themselves to the point where now they can, God even brings it out where they can see it and they're ready to cut it off. And they think the whole problem is us. So they leave. He said, there's just one problem. When they get to where they're going, they're still there. Say this with me. I am. The ecclesia. Say, I'm the only one that can stop me. <laughs> Woo! The devil can't stop me. Woo! My wife can't stop me. Woo! My pastor can't stop me. Woo! I'm not saying that they're trying to. I'm just saying sometimes the devil comes whispering in your mind and you start thinking that something, is, something else is your problem. Your problem is, do you believe? Your problem isn't whether your wife believes or your husband believes or your pastor believes or your doctor believes or the banker believes. Your problem is, do you believe who you are in him? Yeah. Yeah. That right there, that settles it all. Hallelujah. 
So when he says, likewise, the spirit also helps in our weaknesses. In the King James, it used the words infirmities. He helps our infirmities. He helps our weaknesses. And if you break that down in the Greek right there, here's what it means. He comes along and he helps us in the areas that we've been limited because of the, the ceiling or the lid that the flesh puts on us. Been raised a certain way? Maybe, maybe you were raised Jehovah Witness or maybe you were raised Mormon. Maybe, maybe you had a hard time even coming into the kingdom. There's some people who have a hard time coming into the kingdom because they have strongholds built in their mind. The Holy Ghost has come to help all that. He's come to help our weaknesses. He's come to help the, those places that we feel so weak. It's a system of thought coming against our mind. He's come to destroy that thing and break it down. And you know how he does it? He starts searching our hearts. He starts searching our hearts as we pray in the Holy Ghost. He starts searching our hearts and he starts knowing what is the mind of the Spirit. He's known the will of God for Michael Kelly from the foundations of the world. He's the best one to pray for me. I can ask you to pray for me, but you can't pray effectively like he can. You can pray, and you can pray effectively, but not like the Holy Ghost can. That's why he took the language away from us. Can't stress the importance of this. And like I said the last time I taught, I mean, I thank God for the little bit of time that we spend praying in the Holy Ghost and worshiping in the Holy Ghost and singing in tongues. But we need to do more of this at home. You need to do it when you're by yourself. You need to do it when you're mowing your lawn, when you're washing the dishes. If you can, do it on your postal route. <laughs> I have a couple buddies who post postal workers and they learned how to pray in tongues while they're doing delivering their mail. See, because it doesn't use your mind. Your mind is unfruitful at the moment of the, the initial prayer. Your mind gets involved later after the revelation comes in your spirit. And then all of a sudden, one page at a time, he pulls it up in your mind. And all of a sudden, you have light where there was once darkness. So he says, likewise, the spirit also helps our weaknesses. We don't know how to pray as we ought, but the spirit himself makes intercession with us with groanings, which cannot be uttered. And this is the best part. He says, he who searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit. Because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Do you know what that means? That means that every time I yield myself over to Holy Spirit to edify myself, to pray those divine mysteries and those divine secrets, he is literally going in and unrooting every false doctrine Every bit of unbelief, everything that is stopping me to this point, he's going in, even if it's deep seated, even if it was hidden in my childhood and it's so buried, I don't even know it's there. He can see it and he goes in, he unseats its authority in my life and then he brings his arm of authority and I walk in victory. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Man, we need to pray in the Holy Ghost. All right. Michael, you're getting excited. I know. Isn't this amazing? 
I mean, not only did he make me born again, I changed families. It's like that song we sang tonight. He makes all things new. He makes all things new. He unseated me from Adam's family, and he poured his DNA on the inside of me. Now I'm a child of the Most High God. I don't belong to Adam's family anymore. I belong to him. His blood flows through my veins. His DNA flows through me. I am the head, not the tail. I am above, not beneath. I am victorious. I am a conquering machine going somewhere to happen. Do you always feel that way? Who said anything about feelings? Your peace is never dependent on your circumstances. Glory to God. Let's turn over to the book of Acts. You guys having fun? (laughs) Woo! Book of Acts, that's a good book. Woo! Hallelujah. So I got to leave you. Got to leave your uh, taste buds, you know, tantalizing a little bit tonight. (laughs) So we'll get through this next one and then we'll close. Man, hallelujah. I got to tell you what's pouring through my spirit right now. I was just this little, little kid that knew how to play the piano and the organ. He let my path cross with someone that began to pour this Revelation on the inside of me that changed my whole life. I'm not the same person. I used to wonder what it was like to lay hands on the sick and see him recover. I don't have to wonder anymore. I've seen the dead raised. I've seen blind eyes open. I've seen legs grow, not just an inch or two inch. I saw one time a man's leg grew about seven inches. His hips were so deteriorated, and then our pastor told him to start walking around the church after he got healed, because when he came in, he was walking like this. And by his third lap, he was running. And there was no hesitation in his step. Hallelujah. I'm going to be, I'm not speaking at it, I'm just attending it, but I'm going to be going to a conference pretty soon with, that has David Hogan. Anybody ever heard of David Hogan? He's a wrecking machine to the devil. His, he and his team are responsible for over-raising 500 people from the dead. Well, I don't know if I believe in that stuff. Well, you just sit there and don't believe. I know it's real. That drummer up there tonight, he was raised from the dead. Hallelujah. <laughs> okay, I better continue before I get real sarcastic. Verses 1 through 4. Acts chapter 2. Why don't you all read this with me? Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, And one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And when this happened, 
Um, we're going we're gonna to start in verse 5 in a moment, but I want to explain what happens. So in one moment, and they had, and by the way, do you know how many were supposed to go back to the upper room? When Jesus said, go back to Jerusalem and tarry. Do you know how many that he was talking to? Everybody say 500. Do you know how many made it there and got, and got their life changed and transformed? 120, approximately. So get this, 380 people thought it wasn't worth waiting on. No, I'm, that's not you tonight, is it? No, you're here on Sunday night. <laughs> you're here hungry. Can you say amen? <laughs> Thought I'd just throw that out there. When they got filled with the Holy Ghost, all of a sudden, that baptism came. They didn't know what to expect. They never experienced this before. All they know is Jesus said, go back in Jerusalem and tarry until, you, until the power comes. Everybody say, until the power comes. So they went back. They were in the upper room. I don't know how long they tarried. I don't know how long they prayed. But all of a sudden, Holy Spirit came. The Bible says it was, a sound, it was like a rushing mighty wind. It filled the place where they were sitting, and they all were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. So in one moment, they're praying in tongues, the kind of tongues or the diversity of tongues that you get edified with. See, there's four main diversities, and there could be more, but I know that there's, I see four outlined in the Bible. One is your prayer language. Two is a message in tongues to be interpreted in a public assembly. That's when someone speaks forward in tongues and then there comes an interpretation of that language. In other words, if you were in Spain and God was using someone that spoke Spanish in a Spanish congregation, he wouldn't interpret in English. You know, God's pretty smart. He like gets all this. So here, have you ever heard of a, how many ever heard someone speak in tongues and then someone interpret it? Can I see your hand? It's happened at Trinity multiple times since I've been here. In fact, if you were here the last time I taught, right in the middle of my message, a message in tongues came forward, and then God brought the interpretation. And by the way, I thought that was a little funny. He, he talked about light, then he talked about witty inventions, then he talked about equipping the saints, because I went back and I listened to it over and over again. And he's literally marrying the money with the fivefold. You'll get that later. See, there's a harvest that has to come in, but it takes money to get the harvest in. And there's those people in the earth today that's been called to make supernatural wealth. But you need to pray in the Holy Ghost so you get freed of all the greed and covetousness so he can pour that much through you without you putting your hands on it. Well, let the church say amen. amen. That's for another time in another place. <laughs> all of a sudden, they get filled with the Holy Ghost. They begin to speak in tongues as the Holy Ghost gives them utterance. Then they leave the upper room and they go into the street. When they go into the street, the Bible says that, in other words, there were Jews. It was during Passover. There were Jews there in Jerusalem from all surrounding regions and all the nations surrounding. They were there for Passover. And the Bible says that every person in the streets from different countries or different areas where they had different languages 
heard them speak and praise God and preach and testify in their own language. Let's read it. Verse 5. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused. Because everyone heard them speak with his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not these who speak Galileans? And by the way, Galileans are supposed to be kind of like ignorant, kind of ignorant people. In other words, I know these people don't speak this many, this many languages. How in the world is this happening? He says, and how is it that we hear each in, in, in our own language which we were born? In other words, they went from the upper room, then they went into the streets. And from the time they left the upper room till the time they got in the streets, they began to operate in another diversity of tongues. Now, you can, you can label it however you want to. It, what, it, what it really is, it's, it's, a, it's tongues assigned to the unbeliever. It's when God uses a person to teach, preach, or testify, or speak in a language they had no previous knowledge of. You mean God does that? Oh, yeah, all the time. In fact, it happens in foreign countries a lot. When people get filled with the baptism who can't speak English, they'll fluently start praying in tongues in their mind, but it's fluent English. And they'll pray in tongues, and then God will bring it over into that other diversity. Has it ever happened to you? Yes, it's happened to me twice. Once that I can, I know it happened twice. Once, where the first time was in Tulsa, I was praying a long prayer line. It wrapped around the church. Our church seated about, I don't know, seven or 800. And it was a conference and it was packed and the glory fell. And when I said, if you want what I got, come up here. And I mean, everybody, everybody got up. So we had a line that wrapped around the church like three times. And as I'm getting to the end of the line, you know, I was, you know, when the anointing's on you and you spend two hours on a prayer line, you, you can get tired. And so I get to this one guy, and he's standing there, and this, this little Hispanic man. And all I did was lift my hands, and I begin to pray. And at that point, tongues came out. Sometimes when I'm ministering to people, tongues will come out. And then God either gives me the interpretation in my mind, or he's just edifying me to know what to pray. So all of a sudden, tongues comes out. My eyes are closed. I'm not even touching him. And when I open my eyes, he's laying on the ground in a heap, just weeping and sobbing. So I thought, okay, he got what he came for. I'm going to go on to the next person. So I went on to the next person. I think there's maybe 10 more. He comes after me afterwards. And with his little Hispanic accent, he said, do, do, you, do you speak Spanish? And I said, not really. He said, you don't speak Spanish? I said, taco, burrito, enchilada. That's about, I mean, really, that's about it. And I can count maybe to 15. I'm not like, I'm not like uh, Pastor Michael and Pastor Dana we go to a Mexican restaurant with, and they're, oh, yeah. And, and I'm sitting there going, what are they saying? <laughs> they're just talking back and forth with the waiters and the waitresses and ordering. And I'm like, well, this is fun. I'd be more fun if I knew what they were saying. <laughs> they're just having a good time but I said no I, I don't I don't speak Spanish he said you don't and I said no sir he said do you know what you said to me and I said no 
He said, in fluent Spanish, he said, with no accent. I said, big problems, bigger God. And he said, when I said that, he said, the glory of God hit him. He fell on the ground and he said, absolutely got set free. And I went, wow. <laughs> you know what? That just shows you how unsmart we are. God moves through us. We didn't have hardly anything to do with it. I thought I was praying in tongues. Here I was praying some prayer of deliverance over this man. I mean, the Holy Ghost got something done even with me. He just flowed through me like that. My, my pastor and mentor back in Tulsa, Oklahoma, it's happened to him like over 15 times. And one time the way it happened is he was preaching and there was two men sitting there, and every, he said every time he'd make a statement, one man would turn to the other and whisper something in his ear. And he said partway through the sermon, he said the one man looked at the other one and waved him off. And he said he thought to himself, man, I'm glad that guy waved that guy off. That's just rude sitting there talking while I'm teaching like that. So this goes to show you, we don't know. You don't know when it happens until after it happens. So the pastor comes to Dave Roberson after the meeting, and he said, there was a man who only speaks French and who only understands French. He brought his own translator with him so he could sit in your service and hear what you're speaking. And halfway through, he swears up and down that you started speaking fluent, fluent, uh, can't even talk, French. What was happening is Dave Roberson was speaking and preaching, and as it was leaving his mouth and reaching this man's ears, it turned into French. It went from English to French. Can God do that? God can do anything if you'll just believe. Hallelujah. So we're going to stop there tonight. So we've talked about three different diversities. There's four main ones. We'll talk about the fourth one the next time. Why does God have diversities of tongues? I'll say this and then I'll end. There's four main diversities, but the one diversity that you receive when you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it has kind of a different set of parameters around it. See, I can't give a message in tongues to be interpreted in a public assembly anytime I want. I can't speak in tongues assigned to the unbeliever anytime I want. If I could, I would be in some foreign country ripping up a nation. But I can't. And the one I'll talk about the next time is tongues for the intercessional groanings of the Spirit. And I'm not talking about, see, there's all forms of intercession, but I'm talking about the supernatural kind when he comes with the gift of faith and he moves something through your authority and he uses you. But see, those three, I can't operate in any time I want. The Bible says he brings those severally as he wills. But one thing I can operate in any time I want, as long as I want, is praying in tongues for personal edification. He brought it to me as a revelation gift. He baptized me with the Holy Spirit so that Holy Spirit can become my own private tutor, my own private teacher. And we think we're sacrificing when we take an hour and pray in tongues. God, I really sacrificed. Yes, I really sacrificed for you, Lord, your kingdom. I prayed five hours the other day. 
in tongues. And then besides that, some worship and decreeing and declaring. But God, I, I prayed five hours in tongues. You said to build myself up on my most holy faith. So I really sacrificed. I can hear God saying, so let me get this straight. So you, the little believer that was baptized in Holy Spirit, you allowed God, me, to pray through you for five hours. And you're the one that sacrificed. And I'm bringing my perfect will. I'm bringing my perfect plan. Do you remember me talking to you, telling you that there is no book of Michael Kelly in the Bible, but in the spirit, there is a book of Michael Kelly. And every time I open up my mouth and I pray in the Holy Ghost, I'm praying out those divine mysteries and those divine secrets that pray, that pray the perfect plan of God right out in front of me. Hallelujah. Why don't you stand? Thank you for the extra 14 minutes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Why don't you just close your eyes for a moment. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that Jesus is the word. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're our teacher. I thank you that you've come to be our personal tutor, our personal governor, our personal mentor. That if we spend time with you, that you can show us everything that is to come. I thank you for that. You can even keep us from going into the pitfalls where other people have fallen because we're hearing and trusting you and obeying you. So, Father, right now in Jesus' name, I just thank you. Every person that's hearing my voice right now, I even thank you for a grace on them to pray in the Spirit like they've never prayed before. I thank you for a grace on them to spend time in your presence like they've never spent before. God, we're hungry. We're hungry to see our city changed. But if we do not become the church that you've called us to become, and if we do not allow ourselves to be transformed into that image on a daily basis, Father, we're going to miss the mark. So, Father, I thank you right now. Grace, 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 and more grace to the hearers tonight. In Jesus' name. And let the church say, God bless you. We love you. Thank you for coming out tonight. Hope to see you next week.